When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Paying for college shouldn't be the hardest part of higher education. Hi, it's Rena Ninen, co-host of the Ask Lisa podcast. I recently spoke with U.S. Education Secretary Miguel Cardona about FAFSA, the free application for student aid. Did you know you can apply for financial aid today and you'll get a response within one to three days? Check out our show notes to the link for the full interview on our Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. Don't forget to subscribe for the latest videos from Lisa and me. That's the Ask Lisa podcast YouTube channel. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 48, how often should I be in touch with my college freshmen? I almost hate to mention it, but I was thinking the other day, this time next year, you would have sent off a college freshman. I know, Rena, and believe me, it is in front of me all of the time because we're deep in the college process. Yeah. I mean, it's basically dominating life around here. And so even if I don't want to think about it, (laughs) I don't really have a choice. Uh, She's doing a great job with it, but man, oh man, it... I, I have a new level of understanding and empathy when parents talk about the intensity of the college process. I bet, you know, a friend was saying she now passes by her her college freshman's room and it's like, it just hurts her heart because she realizes, oh my God, she's not at school in town. She's she's away. She's gone, yeah. you know? It's hard, but it made me think, how often should you be in touch? What should you do? Like, just because they're out doesn't mean your parenting is over. And we got this letter, Lisa, it says... Dear Lisa and Rena, I'm hoping you'll do a podcast episode on how to deal with a kid who's away from home going to college for the first time. How often should a parent reach out to them? Is texting daily too much? I don't want to make the transition more difficult, and yet I'm missing my son and want to know how he's managing. I don't see much guidance on this online, and I know it's not an easy transition, especially with the COVID pandemic still going on. What do you suggest? And how can I make the transition easier? Thank you for your help. What a great letter. Nobody talks about this. You send them off and you're like, okay, there's nothing more to figure out. But there's so much more to figure out. There is so much more. And you know what I have learned from years of helping parents through this, and now I'll learn a lot in the coming year my own self, is it's a whole new chapter in parenting. You know, it's not the end of parenting. It's just you're turning a page. You're in the next chapter of parenting your college-age kid. Yeah, who's still a kid, by the way. I, yes. I, I don't care what the age says. Still a kid. And we're also in the middle of this challenging pandemic, Lisa. What's your advice to this mom? Oh, I just, oh, I'm so grateful for this letter because 
it's actually an issue with or without a pandemic. And it's always been an issue. And I've always thought with families as their children go off to college about, you know, how should this be arranged, you know, in terms of how staying in touch is going to look. And then, of course, the pandemic adds at least one more layer. And I would even say probably many more layers because part of what is happening is our kids have actually been home a lot more Mm -hmm. than they were pre-pandemic. And so I think about the families who are sending kids off to college. They actually had a very um, unusual senior year, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And and in many ways, it kind of threw things in reverse that, you know, the typical process we see is kids become increasingly independent over the course of high school. You sort of hear from them less and less. You see them less and less. Mm-hmm. And that helps to smooth the transition to college. And for a lot of families, and I'll count myself among them, you know, we've spent more time with our teenagers than we had in previous years. Mm. And so, you know, I feel really fortunate in my own way that I have a senior year for my daughter, which I hope will be pretty normal, and she'll start to do that distancing just because she can. But families who just sent their kids off miss that and actually have been more intensely interacting than they definitely would have been otherwise. Wow. So I almost feel like what I would need, you know, our episode last week was about drinking. And for me, as a parent of a nine and 10-year-old, all I can think about was, oh my God, are they going to make the right choices? They're going to be around these parties. But is what I need as a parent and what the kid might need as a college freshman different? I mean, might not line up? (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that that's actually, so when we walk up to this question, I think the first thing we want to say is like, well, whose needs are being met and whose needs, you know, should sit at the center? And, you know, we're parents. So the bottom line is our kids' needs should sit at the center, which isn't to say that we don't get to have our needs. I mean, we love them like crazy. They're leaving us to go to college, um, you know, as in this letter. We do get to stay in touch. But I do wonder if one way to walk up to this is for there to be a conversation, and it can happen after the kid's already gone, about how much do you want to be in touch? You know, what mm. What do you think is going to work for you? And asking that of the college student as an opening pass on this question of how, how often are we going to really be texting or talking or doing all of these things. Mm. Now, what do you do if you're texting and then all of a sudden you're met with silence? It might not be nefarious. It's just, you know, they're a kid. They're doing other things. They forget to text mom. How do you deal with the heartache of you want to hear more, but your kid isn't necessarily giving you as much interaction as you'd like? Absolutely. Right. I mean, so let's imagine the scenario where the kid's like, all right, when I get work, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's like, you don't really need to be in touch. I'll call you, you know, and then they don't call that often. I think it is totally okay if that is where this goes for the family to say, kiddo, we need to be in touch at least, you know, every few days. We just want to hear from you, know that you're alive. We miss you. We love you. You know, we don't need a long response. You could give me a thumbs up in response to my text, but I want to hear from you. And that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do. And especially, like you said, Rena, you know, it's not because you're worried that they're, you know, up to no good Mm -hmm. or that there's something really wrong. I think it's totally fine to request some ongoing interaction from a kid who doesn't seem to need it. And, And I think what's so beautiful in this is, it's kind of great if the kid's like, nope, I'm here. I'm good. I'm living my new life. I'm mm-hmm. finding my people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need to be in touch all the time. At some level, that's an outcome that we should really be pleased with. And then we can just make our request for 
some check-in sometime. So what do you do as a parent? Because this is your kid, and especially if it's your first child off to college, what are the boundaries? What do you Should you have these conversations before you go? Or even at this point, some parents have already sent their children off. Is there a conversation that needs to be had? Or do you think it just happens organically and you take it from there and, and decide what to say? I think it can go either way, right? You might say, like, what's your plan? How do you want to do this? You know, especially if you know your kid isn't a great communicator. That might be a good thing to do. And it can happen before or after you go. You know, you take them off to college. That said... I think it's perfectly okay to say nothing and see what happens because it could go a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, what we want to watch out for, and this is almost always true in everything, is we just want to watch for the extremes. So we don't want the kid who never communicates because that doesn't feel good. And I think it does create a lot of anxiety in parents and it is reasonable to ask for some check-in. But we also want to be wary of the kid who seems to be in constant touch and reaching out a lot and um, especially doing so around struggling or running into, you know, emotional upsets. It's, It's a really tough moment for parents because on the one hand, you know, we miss them already and we want nothing more than to be, you know, right there with them and a support as they do this big thing of going off to college. On the other hand, it can hamstring a young person's ability to make use of the resources around them or start to lean on their roommate or new friends for emotional support. So there's a balance that we have to watch for. So what I would say to parents is, you know, have a conversation if if you worry that your kid will never be in touch, you know. But short of that, if you feel ready to send your kid to college, you're sort of, you know, implicitly saying to your child and yourself, we think you're ready to go. We think Mm. you're ready to manage independently. Mm. And then if you're getting information that makes you question that, your kid is in touch all the time, you are hearing from them at all hours, that then, I think, warrants a conversation. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table for settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Just think of all that cash back you can get on those groceries. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today, so the future you will thank you for it. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? A getaway with the kids? A spa day for yourself? Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cash back credit card. And don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. 
On Our Minds is a podcast about the teenage experience, made by teens for teens. There's a lot on our minds, and talking about it helps. On Our Minds Season 4 is produced by PBS NewsHour Student Reporting Labs in collaboration with KUOW's Radioactive Youth Media. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, you did say we are in this unusual situation, this pandemic of where we're together all the time, we're talking all the time, we're around each other all the time. Could it possibly be normal? Like, How do you tell when your kid is communicating too much and it's sort of a warning sign something's wrong? That's a tough one, Rena. I, you know, it's one of those things where if it's way too much, you'll know. If it's way too little, you'll mm. know. But you know, what's the what's the line? And so let's think through, like, what's the line where you start to say, hey, kiddo, I'm worried about you. I'm worried that you're not making good use of the resources you've got, or I want to know what gets in the way of using the resources around you. I mean, that, that would be the conversation. So I can tell you what's not the line. Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So one thing that has forever been true of teenagers is that sometimes when they're really upset, the way they manage the upset feeling is they dump it on their parent and they get their parent to be really upset instead. How? I'll tell you exactly how, because I totally did this to my mother when I was in college (laughs) and I remember it. And this still goes on, you know, even though the technology is much better, the maneuver has not changed at all. So here's a completely standard, though miserable interaction with your college-age kid. So I remember I was a freshman. I was all the way in Connecticut. My family was in Colorado. And I don't know, I was upset about something. So I called my mom. And of course, this was from the shared phone in the common area, right? (laughs) This is prehistoric, prehistoric, 1988. And I'm like, oh, I hate it. I'm not going to make it here. I can't stand it. Everybody, you know, I don't get along, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever. I was in a really grumpy mood. And I said all these things to my mom. And then I hung up. And then I felt much better. Like, it was like I just like a huge load off, right? Uh, By saying it. And then my roommate, yep, and my roommate showed up. We went out. We had a great time. Okay, my mom calls the next day. And she's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm fine. Like, what's up with you? (laughs) (laughs) And like, she had been up like, all night, Rena. And I think my dad basically had to keep her from like packing a canteen in the car and coming to get me. Okay. So that weirdly is when not to worry, Mm. which is basically when the kid dumps their emotional trash on you, you feel like garbage and they feel better. And the challenge, of course, is your kid does this when they live with you, but you can see that they feel better. When they're at college, all you know is you got this like really sad phone call and now they're not responding to your texts and now they're not you know replying because they like they're like no no no, you keep that trash i i've dumped it i don't want to talk about the trash so what i would say to parents is don't worry overnight i know that sounds impossible and i'm sure it is but if you have a rough phone call and you're like oh my gosh my kid's really struggling give it 24 hours at least before you get in the car or start to really panic because it is a typical interaction that they dump it on you, feel way, way better, and go on and have a good time. Mm. So give it 24 hours might be a good thing. That's a good rule. So in terms of like when not to freak out, like if if you, you know, if you get them on the phone the next day and they're like, yeah, no, no, I'm great. And like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Well, that just, that's just what happened and it worked and they feel better. You feel like junk, but thus is parenting. Yeah. I would worry though if 24 hours later, 
they're still feeling crummy. And 24 hours after that, they're still feeling crummy. So what we want to see is not the upsetting phone call. You're going to get those as a college parent. What we want to see if we're going to worry is upsetting phone calls that keep coming and there's no relief found for the young person in dumping the uncomfortable feelings on their parent. Mm. So if I, the mother of a 10 and 9-year-old who has eight years before I hit this point, mm-hmm. and I'm worried about drinking, okay, this is the the way that I am right now. When I get to that point, obviously parents of that age group might have different worries. But what do you think really matters in development in that freshman year that you need to watch out for? What we want to know is that they take responsibility for caring for themselves. You know, that's really the bottom line. And this, to me, Rena, is is something that we don't have as a measure of readiness for college. And, And this has always really stayed with me and struck me as I think about the transition from high school to college. So what it means to be able to graduate from high school and get into college is really, really different than what it means to be able to succeed once you get to college. Mm. And and this is something that's always really struck me. You know, I watch kids all the time who, you know, they do fine in high school. They apply, you know, to college. They get in. They can write essays. They can write scores. And by do fine in high school, I mean they get good enough grades. But that doesn't mean they're college ready. And we don't really have a systematic way of talking and thinking about college readiness separate from college admission. <laughs> so so what I want parents to be thinking about all the time is, okay, my kid's into college or my kid can get into college. You know, they're going to get in somewhere. Are they ready to go to college? And, and that question pivots on whether or not a kid sees their self-care as their job. So for you, Rena, right now, that's the groundwork you're laying. That's You've got a lot of runway. But you're going to really start talking about them bundling up, them eating vegetables, them, you know, doing all of these things, not because you're telling them, but because that's part of how they care for themselves. And then that builds. So this morning, I was yelling at the kids because clothes were on the floor. They weren't put back in the hamper. And they were like, Mom, you're nagging me all the time, which, by the way, you've promised me we're going to do an episode of how to get kids to do what you want without nagging. (laughs) That's coming, I promise. Okay, we'll do it. (laughs) But I, you know, one of my things, I guess I don't frame it to them. Like, I'm training and helping you so you're able to do this on your own and your mom isn't with you or else I'm going to be moving into college with you to be there. Make sure you're picking up. If you don't pick up these things, I'm going to be your roommate college year. That didn't go down well with the 10-year-old boy. But no, I think it's a beautiful threat though. Yeah, like, do you really, you know, you want me to come to college with you and pick up after you, right? Like, (gasps) that will definitely get them in gear. Sometimes I have said... Um, oh man, your roommate's gonna hate this. You know, I, ah. I like when I've been making a joke with a very young kid, you right. know, with a young kid. Right. And like your roommate is not gonna be cool with you, you know, doing what you're doing. Um, and that can be a funny way to just remind them that they won't always live in a room on their own if they happen to be so lucky right now. So I think that's though how we wanna frame it is not, I'm gonna make you do this because I can make you do this. It's uh, I'm going to make you do this to prepare you for the world and to remind you that you're in charge of yourself and your stuff. Mm. And and that's one thing we can do, even with young kids, mm. even around things that have nothing, you know, allegedly college tied mm-hmm. up with them, like their willingness to eat green vegetables, things like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm curious, what are you doing in this final senior year? You're armed with so much psychology and research. What do you think matters in this year? It's so high pressure is what I'm getting from so many people. The college admission process is not what it was 10 years ago. And the pressure also with the pandemic and performing. What do you find is important as you're getting your daughter ready for college next year? Oh, you know, man, that's like such a... I know, and I, center, I, I hate center. to... No, it just so hits my heart, I know. right? Because it's all I, I think about. You know, okay, so here's what I can say about my kid. She's ready. Like, I, I and I'm really fortunate, and I know that. And, um, you know, it won't mean that she won't be, you know, sad to say goodbye, and I won't be sad to say goodbye to her, but I can watch her be ready. But what I have seen is questions of readiness come up mm. for families over the course of a senior year. And there can be really profound questions, you know, where a kid is, you know, maybe functioning fine academically, but they're not taking good care of themselves in a really patterned way. Like you're just watching them, you know, do one reckless, worrisome thing after another. I think under those conditions, it's really important to say, look, you may be able to graduate from college, from high school, but you are not making it clear you're college ready. I've also seen kids who make a big mistake in their senior year. And this is something I think we should be prepared to see more of than usual, just because they've been so close to home and they really haven't had a junior year to kind of, you know, stretch their wings a little bit. So we we might see some worrisome ring, wing stretching here in the senior year a little more than usual. Mm. And my experience is you can have a really sturdy, ready-for-college kid do something pretty dumb. You know, maybe get drunk in a way that's upsetting mm-hmm. or, you know, make a bad judgment call. And in my experience, if you say to the kid, you do one more thing like this, and the question of whether you're ready for college is going to be called, and they shape it right up. You know, the, the, the idea of not going to college with their cohort is so frightening to yeah, them yeah. <laughs> that they really, like, toe the line. And so one of my favorite um, lines that I picked up in my work in schools is, you know, once is a mistake, twice is a pattern. Mm. And so I think that's a nice way to talk with teenagers, really, of all ages, when they do something, you know, kind of kind of not such a good idea. Um, Rena, I have one more thought about the gray area of too much or too little yeah. conversation yeah. from your kid in college. And, and it has to do with when your college student, really of any age, is reaching out about every upsetting thing that happens. And, and looking for support. And that can certainly happen. And I don't know if you remember this, but like, I remember a lot of moments in college, maybe where you got like, I got a grade I didn't like or something. And I kind of had that like, I want my mom feeling. Yes. But you know how like, you had to like get all the way back to your dorm. And then you had to like, see if the phone was available. And then you had to see if you could get some privacy. And so somewhere in there, you know, you'd run into somebody or you'd see someone cute or whatever, like you, you would manage that feeling independently. Yeah. And today, Kids don't have to, right? If they have that I want my mom or I want my dad feeling, they can just text the parent as they leave class. And so what I would say in that is that if parents feel like that's happening a lot, right, where there's this wince that a kid is having or a cringe of a feeling, and then to manage it, the kid is recruiting the parent wherever the parent may be, you know, whatever time zone they're in, that one I would have parents start to say, who there can you talk to, or that sounds really rough, I hope you feel better soon, or um, maybe not even responding immediately. Mm. Like you do want to create conditions where 
you're not their sole source of support. You want to be a source of support, no question, but we do want to not be so available and so ready to have a conversation about anything at any time that they don't start to use their roommates or they don't start to go check in with the professor. So that's the gray area I'd want parents to watch for Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't start to tip too far into constant communication around whatever the most upsetting thing is that just happened. Wow, that's great. It's so interesting. For so long, I thought, okay, it's academics. We focus on academics, the SAT, writing those essays, getting into college. But we never talk about the emotional and the well-being and the other part that's critically important in their development in college. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what do you have for us for parenting to go? Well, we're on the topic of college. And we're on the topic of kids either applying or going. And I'll tell you a pet peeve I have. I don't love it when we say to kids, this is going to be the best four years of your life, mm. either as they're applying or as they're heading out. And and the reason for that is, well, first of all, that would be kind of sad, right? <laughs> <laughs> if, you know, from 18 to 22, like, that's as good as it gets and it's all downhill from there. So I don't like that. I also don't like the pressure it puts on kids because they'll have bad days. True. They'll have rough times. True. And so then if they feel like, oh, man. I just ruined one day in the best, you know, very limited period of my life. That's unfair. So what I like to say to kids instead is, these are the best four years of your life. These are the next four years of your life, you know, and then there's going to be four years after that. So go, learn, grow, be safe. But don't feel like every day has to be a good one. That's great advice, Lisa. I just also want to plug our episode next week. We're going to talk about teens and socializing with unvaccinated friends. What should parents do? I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week.